0: No one covers Manchester United quite like the Manchester Evening News, and we have launched our brand new MUFC Pro app. For just £19.99 for an entire year, you can get access to all of our podcasts, our articles, and an ad-free experience, all at the touch of a button in the palm of your hand. And it gets even better. Until the 1st of February at 11pm, if you sign up, you will pay nothing for six months, giving you full, unprecedented access to everything The app provides, including articles that you can listen to when on the move. Don't miss out. Sign up today and we will see you there. Hello, thank you for listening to the Manchester's Red podcast. My name is Seb Parkinson. I am the podcast producer. One thing I just want to highlight on today's show is the audio is not perfect. I've done everything I can to try and make it better. The podcast audio is majority fine, but it's not up to the high standards that we like to keep. We have since fixed the problem and it will be much, much better next time around.
1: Hello and welcome to the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm today's host, Rich Fay. I'm going to be joined by Samuel Luckhurst, and we look back at United's FA Cup victory against Newport County. We'll also discuss Marcus Rashford and his future at the club and we will look ahead to United's game against Wolves in midweek. First of all, I will bring in Samuel Luckhurst. who, shall I say, enjoyed your trip to South Wales. What was it like? Did. Did, you, did, you enjoy, did you enjoy the occasion of the, <clears throat> the FA Cup? I did it it was it was
2: one of the nice things about going to these smaller grounds that you can walk around the pitch because you've not got as much security not not that we're security threats but we had a nice little uh, wander around the perimeter to get to uh, where we were sat in the stands uh, we were taking it all in the little scoreboard uh, it's it's almost like there's a little pavilion above the the tunnel um, above the dressing rooms at Newport but their newsstand, I, I presume, it was a newsstand because it was quite impressive and quite modern. They had quite a few hospitality boxes where the the press conference was conducted afterwards. But the site of terraced Housing, um, just on the street as you walk to the ground, uh, a, a kiosk on on the terraces up at the end where Newport scored in the second half was called uh, Jabba's Hut as well, which are very much light. So you had all that earthy, that earthiness, that that purism of of, of the FA Cup and. Uh, most importantly, from a working perspective, there was uh, a, Wi-Fi. Did hold up? Uh, well, my, the Wi-Fi off, toppling off my phone held up anyway, and uh, there was there were no stresses involved there. Although, given that it was two two at one point uh, for for twenty minutes in the second
1: half, that there was an element of stress with that. Given that I'd written what what an easy win this was going to be for United, it was a compelling game to watch, wasn't it? I mean, like you said, United. Rushed into that, that early lead after the game, Bruno Fernandes said that they targeted the space on the edge of the box. They said that whenever United broke, they'd noticed that Newport were overcommitting by putting players into the box. That's where Fernandes and Mainu both scored their goals. It looked like it was going too well. I think I messaged you after Garnacho hit the post saying, you know, it felt like that was an opportunity to kill the game there. And then they didn't take it. Newport, the deflected effort gets them back in. It's a nice speculative shot. Great goal from Will Evans, well worked to get them level and out of nowhere really, this United team who went as strong as they could really as well, didn't they? Found themselves with all the work to do again. What What were your thoughts when that happened? Did you think they'd then go on to win it or did you think that this could be end of day stuff for Ten Hag at one point?
2: Well, 2-0 Richard Martin turned to me and said, how many times at United won by at least two goals this season and it was, it's a very low number. It was three and he said, oh, it should be a fourth today and that was at 2-0 and then, of course, it's 2-1 and then it's 2-2 and just looking at... I was sat the very far um, far row where we were uh, sat, the, the media seats anyway. It was quite spacious. I'm not too sure why. I mean, if, if Newport did want to squeeze some more fans in, they could have made a couple of more hundred pounds uh, because there were spare seats, but maybe they were just designated as media areas, but it did mean more... More space for us. And of course all the fans stand up there, celebrate, and they're celebrating. I stood up just to you know get a look of how United players were reacting. There seemed to be no communication whatsoever. They were just skulking back to position. And I thought that's that's not a great sign then. And I've seen that quite a few times this season. And I half wondered then, like even though it is the eighty-fourth placed side in the Football League out of ninety-two clubs. United need to get a, a grip here. And in the 10 minutes after that second goal, the equaliser, uh, they, they weren't particularly fluent at all. There wasn't a lot to um, to be encouraged about. if few United support in terms of their reaction to going from 2-0 to 2-2. And I think when it got past the hour mark, I mean, I like the question one normally poses with Anthony is why, and today it's why is he still on? And then, of course, he gets his first goal since since April. So my, my commentator's curse has continued because I was speculating how what a quirk it was that City can't score at Tottenham um, about five minutes before Nathan Ake he did score at Tottenham on Friday evening. But I, I'd never got a sense that United would would lose the game. But I didn't... I, At that time, during that 20-minute spell, it didn't feel beyond the realms of possibility that Newport would would hold on for a replay. United weren't weren't being as enterprising. There was maybe one little mini scramble where I think the ball came off Boyland in the end and it went just wide and from an angle it looked like the ball had rolled in. But all all of a sudden... it was clever play by Luke Shaw, uh, casting inside onto his right foot. It was a good strike, and in fairness to Anthony, it was it was a cool take on the on the follow up. But I think coming away from it, you, you, we want to we want to go to Manchester United games and write about a, a handsome win or winning easily. It, it makes our job easier. It's it makes their job easier as well, and. At two 0 the start they made, I thought, well, they're going to have this game boxed off before they have their halftime oranges. And again, it's not turned out to be the case. Even in the previous round against Wigan, it was a goal from a defender, and it was a penalty that was required against a a, a lowly team in in League One. And although they scored more goals yesterday, they also they also conceded two goals as well. But it did. I think if you're at home and you want a bit of an FA Cup spectacle, um, on on a Saturday. Sunday tea time, then that third goal had to be a Newport goal for it to be remotely um, watchable or, or, or engaging or fascinating. And for a brief period of time, I'm sure the BBC's ratings would have been steadily rising when word spread that Newport had actually equalised against the mighty Manchester United.
1: Yeah, the mighty. How the mighty have fallen, maybe. it's Like I said, it did always feel, though, that if United really wanted to go in and, and go up a gear or two they could do. Obviously, it's quite difficult sometimes to do that in the match, but even at 2-all, like you said, did feel like United would go on and and actually go to win the game as they did. In terms of some individual performances then, we mentioned United had had gone as full strength as they could have done, really. Andre Arno was on his way back from AFCON. Do you think he's got to worry about his place? What did you make of by debut? Because he couldn't really have done much more than from the goals, but there were a few shaky moments out passing from the back.
2: Well, during the warm-up, uh Tom Eaton and uh, Eli Harrison who was travelling with the first team squad for the first time i think it was you you wrote they were passing him the ball on on the deck because we we noticed this as we were walking um walking around the pitch that you know you see the rugby markings you know immediately the pitch is not going to be in the greatest of states it was quite muddy um and you know i i wouldn't say it was a, a bobbly pitch as such but what Bayern is used to training on at Carrington, where it's as lush as a as a fairway at a local golf course. It, it it was different, and I think early on there was a bit of hesitancy from him. Alessandro Martinez got got stuck into him, and that that's another thing that I like about Martinez. He, he there's, there are no holds barred there. He'll if if he needs to be on someone's case, he will be. And he was imploring him to you know be you kind of be, not express himself more, but be more more on the front foot and not be nervous. I mean, wearing tights in those conditions yesterday is not not the greatest of looks because it was extremely mild in in, in South Wales and the the sun had been out for most of the day as well. He handled his first two, because I think he made two relatively routine stops before Newport scored and he handled them fine. He made a decent save towards the end, although again, it was a save that he should make. I think he did everything that you'd expect him to, but I don't think for a single minute that, Come the, the game on Thursday, at Wolves that he'll he'll still be in and Anana will be out. I mean Anana is Ten Hag's very much Ten Hag's man, given their um, working relationship at Ajax and also just the the difference in fees. Uh, I know sometimes you can look too much into the the, the cost of a player, but Bayindo is is a tenth the price of Anana, and he was specifically signed to be a backup. And we will know that if Anana hadn't have gone to Afcon, he would have been starting. Uh, at Newport as well, I think it's safe to say. Given that he started against Wigan, he started in the League Cup game against Crystal Palace in September, and look, I, I in in a way, I kind of think it's you know it's, it's laudable of, of Ten Hag to be that that loyal to a goalkeeper, and yeah, you know, sometimes it's it looks like blind loyalty, and I think you could make that argument a lot more so with Anthony, but with Anana, he he certainly. You know, he felt he felt going back to the September game against Palace in the League Cup that given that he'd made a very bad error against Bayern Munich the previous week he didn't want to take him out of the team. He wanted to, him to keep on keep on playing and and have that rhythm and not feel unnerved by it whatsoever. So I think Bayern was was he was fine. He, he certainly wasn't going to be the, the headline of many, many color pieces yesterday. I think if he'd had a more involved game and he was probably more involved than United would have hoped for given that he picked the ball out of the back of his net on two occasions. Then um, th- then maybe people would have looked to him as as, as a colour piece to write home about. But as I said, it's, it's difficult for a goalkeeper to really make a, a good impression in those circumstances. If he... If if he makes that save at the end and he keeps a clean sheet, I think we're we're looking at him in a in a more positive light. And I don't think we're looking at him in a negative light whatsoever, but he did what you'd expect really. I mean, his his distribution wasn't wasn't perfect, but honest distribution hasn't been perfect this season. Uh, it it's it's easy to forget that United partly signed him to have a you know, a ball playing goalkeeper, a goalkeeper who's proactive and renowned for his distribution, but
1: they've not really maximise that with, with Inanna between the sticks this season. No, of course, like you said there, there is that, that pressure on Ten Hag to make sure Inanna does work given the fee page for him. And yeah, it's, I mean, oddly as well, Inanna comes back from AFCON relatively fresh considering he, he only played one game as well. So it's not as if you, you need to ease him back in no. a, at all. You expect him to go back in this week. We obviously will preview that match in, in part three of the podcast. In terms of the returning stars and Samuel, there was you know, not m- much mitigation for United to slip up, given the fact that so many players were making their return from injury. There was the caveat that some of these players were were lacking match sharpness, but United hadn't played for two weeks, and in that time, Newport, a League Two team, as you said, had played twice. What did you make of the players' return? I and mean, personally, I thought Shaw and Martinez looked really good, and you could see already that when they're fully fit, they're going to add so much more to the team and give them just extra bows in attack. A little concerned by Casemiro and and how. Easily, you know, I don't overran it in midfield at times. But do you do you think that is just the circumstance of players come back from injury, or do you think that, you know, there might be wider issues at play there? I think with with Shaw, he's it's it's a pity that he, he is still far too injury
2: prone because at his optimum he's he's one of the best left backs in Europe. He's he's England's mm-hmm. best left back and he's he's possibly the best left back in the Premier League. It's him or Andy Robertson when both of them are at their optimum and where we were sat yesterday, um, I mean, sure got barracks quite relentlessly from um, from the Newport fans, as you'd expect from Welsh fans towards a, an English player. But he's so good in tight spaces as well. I mean, his he's, intelligence on the ball is is exceptional. He's, he's really come a long way in that sense. Like if he's on the byline, he, he'll find a way of navigating his way back into space. Although he, yeah, his performance level was was really good, given that he'd been out for a month. I think the first pass Martin has played, it was through midfield into the attacking third. And I've people I'm sure have tired of me saying it, but he's almost as much of an att- asset in attack as in defence for United. He's so he's just such a polished passer and he makes such a difference. And I still go back to that Leeds away game last season when he was, he was having a rest on the bench. Um, Harry Maguire started, and I think Luke Shaw was might have been started that game at centre back. And United just didn't have the same balance, and at nil nil, it's Martinez coming on as as an attacking change. Essentially, he comes on, Shaw goes to left back. Shaw's the one who provides the cross for Marcus Rashford to make it one 0 And Martinez, the influence he had was—I think he was even picked up on in match of the day and the analysis in the evening. Even though he didn't get the assist, even though he didn't get the goals, his his presence made a huge difference to the way United played. And I think that will be the case now that he's back. And United have to hope that. Having missed pretty much the entirety of the first half of the season, that he's available for the entirety of the second half of the season with Casemiro, I think they've, they've just got to try maximum, sorry, maximise short term gains there. It's pretty clear that he could be a short term mentor for a long long term linchpin in, in Kobe Maynu, but he's, I think he, he's, he's commented before on how how portly he can look if he's had a bit of time away from the pitch. He's 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 quite self aware about it. But he, he did. I thought he started quite strongly and his reading of the game was good. But then he, he did start to look a little bit off the pace. He made a very needlessly crude tackle, and that, that certainly warranted the yellow card he got. And um, yeah, it, it, he's. I think you've still got to show the faith in him because they've had so many combinations in midfield this season. And clearly, the one that Ten Hag wants to go with um starting at, at the start of february will be casemiro remenu and i'm completely understand that i completely agree with that and okay he had a bit of a ropey afternoon at, at Rodney parade but i think i think he'll still be starting against wolves on on thursday but he needs he needs a very good performance this week against, against either wolves or west ham to banish banish the doubts because his performance wasn't keeping with the way he performed in the first first couple of months of the season, where he was off the pace. He was exposed. He was easily overrun by uh, opponents, and he's been a very different Casemiro to uh, the one who was as had so so influential last season. I, I thought he was United's Player of the Year last season, but there has been a, a real sharp decline from him this season, and he's not as integral to the United team or the midfield as as he was in in, in Ten Hag's first
1: season Yeah, I guess as well it's probably pertinent to point out that obviously when he signed we were crying out for him to be in the lineup. but Ten Hag wanted to ease him in and get him up to speed with the Premier League and maybe that's what Casemiro needs now we need to give him a game or two to get back to, to where he's feeling confident again and then the rest will just follow him mean, he's a vastly experienced player like you said it'll be interesting to see what United's midfield does look like uh, going forward for the rest of the season uh, the reward then is another trip for you. You're either going back. Did you do Bristol City in the League Cup a few years ago? No, that was that was Kieran who who did that. He was flying solo
2: on on that one. When was it Lee Johnson's Bristol City who who, who won two one in the League Cup it was a quarter final, wasn't it? Yes. So yes, I've I've never had the pleasure of going to Ashton Gate. I've never had, actually had the pleasure of going to Bristol, which is is meant to be lovely by all accounts as well. So if they if they do come off it, would it be a shock if they beat Forest? I wouldn't necessarily say it's much of a shock, but uh, it would be a, a pleasant change of scenery given that as much as I love the city ground, it, it does feel like we've been there quite a fair bit
1: over the last uh, 12 months. Yeah, I think it's one of those games where if there's no other cup upsets that weekend, Bristol City knocking out Forest is a is a cup upset. But obviously when you've had sort of Maidstone knocking out Ipswich, it, it fails to compare to that. And yeah, we shall see what other results come in the fifth round of recording this on Monday afternoon. and I've got interest in one tonight, so you'd rather have Bristol without putting you on the spot too much. There,
0: uh,
2: I, th- I think so. Just for the, um, I think just just to go to a new ground, even though it's a, a longer journey. I mean, the yesterday's journey was fine, but I was I was thinking when when we got to Newport, this could you know is this United's final. European away of the season. But then, of course, there is the possibility of Wrexham, albeit not. Um, it, it won't be in the fifth round, given the um, the potential plum tie they would have if they do get past Blackburn this evening.
1: Yeah, I'll save that one for when Stephen is uh, back on the podcast, perhaps. And yeah, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. Uh, that is all for part one of the podcast. After the break, we will talk about Marcus Rashford. And right now as well, we are going to give another plug for Samuel's newsletter. The offer is still on For this one, the Inside Old Trafford uh, newsletter via Substack, you can still, I'm going to read the latest jargon we've been sent today, for just £2.99 a month or £19.99 for an entire year, you can unlock a world of premium Man United content. Sign up for the annual plan before the end of the transfer window and you get your first six months absolutely free with our best ever offer. So grab your smartphone, head to the app store and search for MUFC Pro and hit the download button. Subscribe to Premium and you'll get access, easy access to the podcasts, unlimited articles and, best of all, an ad-free experience. That offer ends on the 1st of February as soon as the transfer window closes as well. That's the Emmy UFC Pro
0: App from the Manchester Evening News. No one covers Manchester United quite like the Manchester Evening News and we have launched our brand new MUFC Pro app. For just £19.99 for an entire year, you can get access to all of our podcasts, our articles and an ad-free experience all at the touch of a button in the palm of your hand. And it gets even better. Until the 1st of February at 11pm, if you sign up, you will pay nothing for six months, giving you full, unprecedented access to everything the app provides, including articles that you can listen to when on the move. Don't miss out. Sign up today, and we will see you there. Wow, the double pot
1: newsletter plug there. that like been on QVC or something, This isn't it? I mean... Some you mentioned there, I'd make a good agent. Uh, speaking of agents, Marcus Rashford arrived at Carrington on Monday morning, accompanied by his brother and his advisor, Dwayne. Um, what is the latest with Rashford then? You were one of the journalists present for Ten Hag's post-match press conference. He said it was an internal matter. What do? What have you made of the entire situation, really? I, I have sympathy for Ten Hag on this occasion because
2: there have been a number of Issues he's had to deal with in his time at United, uh, where it's it's been out of his it's been out of his hands. He was not responsible for Cristiano Ronaldo doing, doing that interview with Talk TV. He wasn't responsible for Jane Sancho's tweet, and he certainly wasn't responsible for Marcus Rashford going out in, in Belfast. I mean, nobody is for a single second saying that a twenty-something should behave like a monk. Uh, everyone's got a right to socialize and United had a week off earlier this month. Rashford was over in Belfast to see his friend, Rashawn Williams, who of course was in the United Academy team. But the issue here is that, and it was raised at the press conference yesterday, was whether Brushford has lied to United about when he was out in Belfast. Uh, when the imagery and the footage came out on social media on Friday and I asked the club, and they said that they'd been told by Rushford effectively that it was from Wednesday night. He was off on Thursday. It was training on Friday. He reported unwell for training on Friday. That there have been a number of suggestions that he was actually out in Belfast on Thursday night, uh, which of course is, is mere hours before a training session the next morning. He was, he, he was there on, uh, he was at Carrington at 9 a.m. on Wednesday morning for that training session. He's obviously at Carrington on Monday morning, this morning that we're speaking. And really, you just it's just a bad look. How whether he went out on the Wednesday night, whether he went out on the Thursday night, he's he's out and about. And he's got he's image conscious enough to know that he's one of he's one of the most famous British athletes, one of the most famous athletes on the planet. And he's going to a bit of a United heartland in Belfast, the chances are if you go out in the evening, people are going to take pictures of you, they're going to get some footage of you as well. You can do it in an instant. If he did it the week before, when United haven't got a game at the weekend, when the players are off, they weren't even in Carrington that week, there's nothing, nothing, no problem at all. And the, the issue with this one is that not just Is it the circumstances behind it? And look, United, clearly Ten Hag has taken a dim enough view that he used the words um, internal matter yesterday. And as soon as he said that, he thought, well, this is separate to the illness. And United have acknowledged that. They've acknowledged that there are two separate matters here. There is him being unwell, which they've taken at face value, which is why he didn't travel to Newport. And there are his extracurricular activities. And that's why... He's not been accompanied by his agent and his brother this morning, but his, uh, his, his brother, Dwayne Maynard, also arrived shortly after he did at Carrington. When that happens, it's like, this isn't coincidence. There is a reason for that happening. The club will be having some discussions today uh, about the fallout from that to, to get some clarity on it, as they should do. Because not only is it just a bad look, it's already another possible transgression this season because of the, the birthday party he had after hours after the Manchester Derby in October. And Ten Hag said, I asked him about that, his press conference uh, five days later and he said it was unacceptable. And I remember that later that day United took the train down to London as, as we did on like cattle class. Um, it, was, it, was, it was like you, you, you didn't even have a seat, unfortunately. But I remember that picture, that image of, of Rashford at Stockport station looking quite withdrawn, looking quite solemn um, or, or sullen maybe, uh, completely detached whilst teammates are speaking among themselves. And, he, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words and it turned out the following day at Fulham, even though he turned up, they said he was injured, he'd failed a fitness test. And the more you think about that, the more suspicious you get about that. I mean, there's, there's literally a picture from um, the away dressing room that morning with his shirt hung up. And so you think, well, okay, maybe the kit men aren't privy to every shred of team news, and he's, he's travelled down. But did he travel down and was not picked as punishment, and he was told to button his lip, or was he actually injured? You you start to you start to wonder about that as well. And of course, he's he's, he's been found out over uh, this this trip to Belfast. I mean, this is a week where United have. United fled to a different country. Technically, in Wales, he's flown to a, a different country uh, that's still within the you know, these the UK and the Irish Isles. But the difference with his teammates is that they've gone to play a game. He's gone to play and you know, play in a different way. So to speak, he's he's gone off to socialise. And really, it's I, I feel for Ten Hag because he's he's stayed so much on this period now with um you know players coming back. And as, as yeah, you know, I reminded him yesterday. Like against Wolves in his ninety fourth game in charge, he could actually finally play his strongest team. He's never been able to do that before. Shaw's back enhances the team. Martinez is back, makes a big difference and the team. Casemiro is back. Hopefully, he will improve. United were probably two players shy of their strongest eleven at Newport. Everyone who needed to be there pretty much was there. Who could be there? The one who wasn't there and possibly should have been there is Rashford, and when you're compromising preparations for such a huge month, you do deserve a talking to, and that's that's something that Ten Hag deserves immense credit for during his time at United. He does discipline players. He has he, he's dealt with Cristiano Ronaldo and everyone else is small fry compared to Ronaldo and Rashford will have known that, and th- what. I remember at the time when we spoke to Ten Hag in San Diego, Rashford's lifestyle was brought up, not by me, but, but by a colleague as a question. And Ten Hag gave a, a really good detailed answer about you live the right way, sleep, nutrition, recovery was, was what he emphasised. And we, we thought he was getting at maybe there was an issue with Ten, with, with Rashford's lifestyle and he, was, he clarified that he was speaking more generally about all the players. It wasn't about Rashford. But the more you think about that now, again, that, that, that is possibly snowballing. It feels a much more person quote now than it did six months ago. And when we spoke to Rushford uh, in February last year, we brought up his his demotion of Wolves for arriving uh, arriving late for a team meeting, and he was fully supportive of it. He he said, "If you let standards slip, and it's happened before at the club, I think it's what he said as well. Um, you're not going to get anywhere, pretty much." And unfortunately, he has let his standards slip. Over this as he did um, over the the birthday party in October as well he's he's not he's not a daft lad i don't think uh he's not obtuse he he should understand the optics of these things he's had so many PR advisors he should know what is a good look and what is a bad look and he's got a public he's got a new publicist uh, who should be. De- you should be quite accustomed to bad press because among her clientele are uh, Jane Sancho and Mason Mount, among others. And really, if they can't get a hold of this and acknowledge that you know, th- there is an issue there, then there's only one thing for United to do with a player who is losing the confidence of supporters and is, you know, really pushing his luck with the manager, and that is showing him to the door marked exit.
1: Like you said, there there is a. So so much to the story, given the fact that, like you said, he's he's a young man, he's entitled to have a private life and to go out, but he's just had two weeks off. And it's the timing of it, it's the look of it, like you said, it's the optics, the fact that whether it was linked or not, he was too ill to to train, he was too ill to be involved in the squad against Newport, and then he's had this meeting and the internal matter as well on, on Monday morning. So we shall see what happens from that. Of course, he can stick with to the Manchester Evening News for, for all the latest on Rashford. I suppose the question to you then, Samuel, is... Do you think there is now a stronger case than ever for United to actually cash in on Marcus Rashford to part ways? We've spoken about the financial fair play situation and ruthlessly, if they sell an academy product, that is far more beneficial to the club than it would be selling any other player because it is pure profit. That is how it's reflected on the books. Marcus Rashford is not only an academy player, he is still one who would have a very good market value. Do you think there is a growing case now Particularly if Ten Hag stays in charge, that he's actually moved on in the summer. I do, regardless of of the manager. Um,
2: I I reckon there would be a market for him in the summer, and really any sporting director, if they want to earn their coin, they would they seek that market out as well, and or, or just try and create one. I mean, Rashford is a player who, on his day, as we saw. Several times last season, he, he he is one of the best forwards in in Europe when he's on form. Unfortunately, he's he's had these peaks and troughs in his career where he's had a brilliant season, and then it can be a, a dreadful season. And that was the case in, in 2021 twenty twenty one, twenty two, and this season is is eerily familiar, right down to you know his performance in an FA Cup third round. Where he's getting some flack off off supporters and. It's not going right. And he's, he, he was on the same number of goals uh, when he played at Wigan as he was two years ago as, as well. And the, look, United are in an invidious position regarding their attack because they're light up top as it is. But you look at just about almost every winger in the squad, bar Garnacho, probably, and you'd say there's a case to sell them. I mean, Polistri, when Amari Forson's coming on ahead of him, Murray Forsman came on ahead of Ahmad as well, of course. And in the case of Ballister and Ahmad, they're going to be at United Cup four years come the summer. Are they Are they ever going to make a breakthrough or do you, do you, do you cash in? Um, I think there's a case to be made there. Anthony is you know, a pretty unlawed winger and very much aligned with Ten Hag. And I don't think anybody is, is pretending that an assist and a goal against Newport is, is going to be a turning point. If it does turn out to be a turning point for him and he, Starts to tear it up in the Premier League, then great, but I'll have to believe it when when I see it. Um, Rashford, of course, we've just discussed chapter and verse. Jaden Sancho and Mason Greenwood are two players that have to be gone before United return for pre season training in July. You can't have the image of Jaden and Mason turning up at the barriers at Carrington asking
1: to be. Let into the in, into the premises It'd be like um, us going to the M E and h q whenever our passes have expired aren't they that's that's what five or or six wingers and
2: look they're they're all not going to go in the summer, i think it's safe to say, but rashford is he, he's another he's he's becoming a problem, and united must united would never have envisaged that in the summer when I, d- I well i certainly don't think they would have anyway when they sat down and you know sorted out a new contract for him, but the the leveling off in his form is is a real worry, but this isn't something that's just happened overnight. Or um, it's been a a sudden development. United fans were, were, were audibly irked with Rashford against Brighton, and that was in mid September at Old Trafford. So, as I said, there's there's friction between the academy poster boy of the first team and one of the highest earners and the match goers, and he's also testing the manager's patience. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what reception he he gets from United fans next time because he's had some very, very mixed receptions to say the least this season. He's He's been sarcastic he was sarcastically cheered off against City and then he had a party a few hours later um, having just been involved in a 3-0 defeat. And at the opposite end of that, pretty much he got standing ovation for his performance uh, against Arsenal gunner on Boxing Day when he was electric and that was his... That that was by far and away, I think, his his best performance of the season. But when when B I mean, BBC televised the game yesterday, when you've got BBC pundits talking about Rashford without even dwelling on the illness aspect of his absence and just how he's conducted himself as a professional, he's he's losing allies at the moment. And really, it would be unfair if um come Wednesday, Ten Hag is the one fielding questions on this because I think United or Rashford need to take ownership of this situation now and offer an explanation or offer clarity before we're we're bitten
1: into Carrington on on Wednesday afternoon. Very timely as well, the fixtures ahead. It was Wolves away last season when he was dropped for being late at that meeting and then it was West Ham at home where he scored that brilliant header as well, wasn't it? As well. And they're the two games that are coming up this week so... We shall see, if we will even see, Marcus Rashford in the United shirt this week. Like I said, we'll keep you up to date with that on the Manchester Even News website. That is all for part two. Join us after the break when we look ahead to United's trip to Molyneux. So United back in action against Wolves in midweek. Samuel, of all the defeats United have had this, this season... It was one of their wins, that first one against Wolves. It was one of the most unconvincing as well. I thought Gary Neil's team were brilliant at Old Trafford. Should have had that penalty yeah. right at the death for Onana's foul on, on the forward. It's not going to be easy, is it? No, to put it mildly, it's especially with with Wolves and where
2: Wolves are concerned, I mean, the amount of times those games have been tight or gritty or, let's face it, un- unwatchable. There was that horrendous period. They used of the to be the bogey team, didn't they? Almost. They did and also it was the fixture that just would would always crop up. You couldn't get you couldn't get away from a Man United war game. I think they must have played each other six six times within a space of I, I reckon it must have been ten months, something like that. It was it was absurd and I I really like going to Model New as well. It's a it's a grand old ground with you know seeing the old gold uh, and, and the wolf on the wall and the people, there really, really friendly. And it's a, it's a really pleasant atmosphere. And then it's a really good atmosphere. Usually when you get into the, the press box and it's, it's not great for away fans because they're obviously they're stretched across that, that fast stand. But I, th- I think Gary O'Neill, given the, uh, given the starting point coming in at Wolves five days before the season began and, uh, little room to manoeuvre in the transfer market due to how tight they've been on profitability and sustainability rules. He's, he's done he's done an excellent job. And I thought he did an excellent job at Bournemouth last season. There was a case for him to have been made manager of the year as far as um, the Premier League contenders go, keeping them up because they look certainties for, for relegation, particularly when he, he came in and he was, he was initially just seen as a, as a bit of a caretaker face. And fair enough. I think it's worked out quite well with Bournemouth, but it's also worked out very well uh, with Wolves, who I'm sure some of their supporters would have been rather underwhelmed going from Lopetegui, Bournemouth, Real Madrid, Spain, Sevilla coach to uh, Gary, no, Gary O'Neill formerly of Bournemouth and certainly not as experienced in, in management. But they've had some really impressive results this season. They've beaten City at home, they've beaten Tottenham at home. They ran Liverpool very close, I think it was. I think they were beaten right in the death by them. Um, Chelsea is another team they, they they beat at home and I don't think they've lost for a while either. It feels like they're on quite a long run and they'll have a real you know they'll have the, the result on on Sunday will be a real fillet for them. Uh, it was a long it been a long time since Walton and West Brom had played each other with supporters present and it is one of those derbies that um, is is quite underrated. It's not one that immediately springs to mind when you talk about British derbies, but having you know. I remember reading a piece on it a few years ago, and it did sound quite tasty, and it looked um, it looked rather lively off the pitch to, to say the least. There yesterday, so it's look. We all know about United's away record as well. I think if they were to win on, on Thursday night, they would do very well indeed to do so. Because I don't, as I said, I'm not sure. I don't think Wolves have lost since before Christmas. Maybe I think just going off the top of my head, it might have been might have been West Ham. Might be West Ham, so they obviously had the Christmas Eve game against Chelsea when they won two one. So um, yeah, I think they're doing very well, and they're, they're almost as it's almost as big a test against this Wolves side as it used to be when United um, went there under and, and Wolves were, were coached by Nuno Espirito Santo. So because Wolves did actually have a pretty good record against United when they initially got. Promoted
1: back to the Premier League in 2018. In terms of changes, then we've mentioned that we both probably expect Onana to go back into the side instead of Bayindir. For you, then, like you said, it could be the first chance for Ten Hag to name his strongest 11 since he even arrived at the club. Do you think he will do that, or do you think Rashford is the only question mark heading into the game now? I do think you've, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think that's the, the question mark, and Ten
2: Hag will have the option to provide clarity on that on, on Wednesday as to whether he's in the squad or not. Of course, when Ronaldo cleared off before the final whistle against Tottenham last season, United made it clear before the the Friday press conference that he wouldn't be in the squad for for the game against Chelsea. And maybe, maybe there'll be a similar outcome here. I mean, as I said, when a a player is, you know, followed into training by his, his representative, you know, the, that there's something to discuss there, and United have been very coy on that. Unsurprisingly, this morning they've reiterated that it's an internal matter, and I'm sure we'll hear that phrase a few times more during Ten Hag's pre-match press conference on on Wednesday. And also, if you if you if you just try and look look at the game through um, you know, through the eyes of Ten Hag, if it's all possible. Anthony. As unconvincing as, as I still thought he was against Newport, he did get an assist for the first time since May, wasn't it? And had a goal for the first time since April. They are, yeah, there are two valid reasons to keep him in the side. But would people, yeah, you know, would would tend to have cutting his nose despite his face? Possibly is is Anthony objectively a better player than Marcus Rashford? No, but it doesn't always work out that way. And as we and we know that from what happened at, at Wolves last season when Rush we. T- you know, we turned up. Team sheets dropped, and Rashford was on the bench. We thought, well, he must be carrying an injury, or there's an element of rotation going on here after the World Cup ended quite recently and the travel, etc. But no, you know, Ten Hag, uh, Ten Hag said, I think he said that day it was internal disciplinary, and then of course it came out post-match that Rashford had been late to to a meeting, and look, that was an innocent mistake, and I don't think anybody yet massively held that against Rashford. And of course, it held immeasurably that he came on at half-time and, and scored the winning goal. It looked like, uh, you know, brilliant handling by Ten Hagen. I think it was brilliant handling by Ten Hagin that he, you know, he imposed his authority, but he also managed to get a tune out of the player. I think the dynamics are, are quite different now. And it's, it, it feels like it's in the balance. And we, we're speaking on the Monday. It, it feels like it's in the balance whether Rashford's in the squad or not, never mind in the team. And, you know, Ten Hag acknowledged that yes, he's. I think he's got the he's got the players available to to play his strongest side, and uh, I, I think we we both agree that there'll be at least ten of them starting against Wolves. But that last one, as you said, it's it, it is a question mark for
1: you then as well. Say the you know, works have a way this, I suppose, but you know if Rashford was fit, perhaps is the better way to twist it. Who would be the for forward for you? Would it be Garnacho over Anthony? Of course, like you said, goal and assist against Newport, you feel he can't really do much more than than he did. Well, Garnacho has to start as you know, he he got it wrong
2: with having that shot yesterday that uh, hit the crossbar when he should have he should have squared it for Fernandez or Hoyland, and both of them quite rightly berates him over that. But Garnacho's running run in the um, in the United team, and he's he's been he's been that starting eleven. For an extremely long time now, particularly for someone who's who's only only nineteen and he doesn't turn twenty until July, but I think he he must have started what I think on the top of my head it must be about sixteen games now uh, this this season, maybe more, starting in succession. Look, R- Ronaldo and Rooney really never ever got close to that run of games when they were teenagers at United. That's how important Garnacho is, and that's how lacking United are in seniority. An attack. So I don't think it's a question of whether it's Garnaccio or, or Anthony. I mean, Garnaccio has adapted quite well when he's played on the right in um, over, over the last month or so. Of course, he played on the left against Newport, and he probably would favour playing on the left. And if, if, if Anthony is to start, he's on the right because that's where he was brought to play. But it's yeah, it, it is a dilemma from but like, from, from my perspective looking looking at it. I mean, I'm. I think it goes without saying I'm, I'm not a big admirer of Anthony. I don't think there are too many big admirers of, of, of Anthony, but when it comes to it, discipline and um, you know, a manager needing to reassert their authority, sometimes you have to make difficult decisions that on paper don't look like they're the best for the team, but maybe they are the best for the team and for the club for the club overall as well. I remember that time when Sir Alex Ferguson made David Beckham uh, watch on from the stands at, at Ellen Road when United and Leeds were playing each other in, in late February. And Leeds at that time were United's main title challengers uh, but back in back in 2000. United won 1-0 and at that point like, the questions about Beckham subsided because United had won and it was, it was Ferguson managing the right way uh, because Beckham had turned up late for training a, few, a couple of days earlier. And sometimes you have to lay down the law to these players and some, some players will learn from it, some players won't learn from it. So as, as little as I rate Anthony,
1: I would, not begrudge, I would not begrudge Ten Hag if he puts him in the team over Rashford and Monnew. We shall see what Ten does. And like Samuel said there, we will bring you all the latest from Hag when he previews the match as well in midweek. And as well, just another plug, Manchester's Red podcast will be back for a deadline day special on Wednesday. Of course, United will be in action on deadline day itself, which is Thursday night. We'll bring you all the latest transfer news on the Manchester Evening News website throughout the week. Samuel, thank you very much as always for joining us on the Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you very much, Rich. Appreciate it and thank you very much wherever you are in the world for tuning in as well as always please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already once again a plug for samuel's mufc newsletter the link is in the description below you've got until deadline day to take advantage of that offer take care and we'll see you again next time